pray and I'm going to announce the chapter again. And then I'm going to share the, the uh, live stream uh, with some other uh, um, uh, social media. All right. Uh, let's pray. Dear kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for another day. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And we ask you now for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Just give us so much of your spirit, Lord, that we are just bubbling over with joy. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding as we study uh, this chapter today. But most of all, help us to glean the principles of truth from it that you desire for us to to know and understand and practice, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for everyone that's joining today and everyone that will be watching. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, once again, we're studying from um, Testimonies for the Church, chapter nine, volume one, chapter 94, The Deceitfulness of Riches. And uh, I'm going to take a moment and just share the live stream on my social media. And if anyone else wants to do that, now is the time to do that. Let's see, wait a minute. Um, and then we'll get into the, the study for today. All right. Now, and then. And I usually share with about three or four different groups on Facebook. So I kind of have to scroll through my Facebook groups uh, to find them all. Uh, but be sure to share with whomever you um, would like to share if you're in groups or even just sharing it with family members. Um, it is a great witness uh, to other people. All right, that done. Let me go back to our chapter for today. Deceitfulness of riches. All right, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off with the first chapter and then I'm just gonna throw out there, uh, what does the title even mean to, to you? All right, uh, she starts off saying that some who profess to believe the truth are lacking in discernment and fail to appreciate moral worth. Persons who boast much of their fidelity to the cause and talk as though they think they know all that is worth knowing are not humble in their hearts. She says they may have money and property wait a minute, and think that this is sufficient to give them influence with some, but it will not raise them one jot in favor with God. Money has power and sways a mighty influence. However, excellence of character and moral worth are often looked if possessed by a poor man. And then she says, skipping down a little bit, she says, um, the world and all therein are his. So God is not impressed with money or property. The inhabitants of the earth are as grasshoppers before him. Men and property are but as the small dust of the balance. He is no respecter of persons. So just reading that first paragraph, um, what did you, well, even just the title, anybody can just answer this. What did you think deceitfulness of riches means? I thought in terms of, the, I don't think God is against people having riches. It's the motive. So you got people that when you think of deceitfulness of riches, they think that they, they got that, you know, they did it themselves and they, you know, they don't want to share. Their hearts are cold, even to God's will for them to even return a faithful tithing offering. Not all of them, but many of them, when they get their riches, they boast themselves up. They did this and then they did that. And that's how they got this. And if you don't got it, then so be it. I mean, they don't, they're not going to share it. And they're letting themselves be deceived that they didn't get the riches. God gave them a chance to protect, to get what they have, but he didn't give it to them to boast about it. He gave it to them as a loving gift from him that they would share with others. But you got selfish people, and it's not, like I said, you know, you just think in terms of the, the rich and famous when you see some of, you know, the things they have. Who needs to pay $2 million for a toilet? <laughs> you know, 
Mm. Mm. Yes, that is I like true. what I like what Patsy says. She pointed out a lot of really good thoughts for us as Christians to pay attention to. And where it talks about deceitfulness of riches, you know, there's many people who really believe that the more money they have, the closer they are to God. Mm. But then by the opposite token, there are those who think by the poorer they are, they're closer to God. Neither one of those is correct. You know, as we said before, money is the currency of earth. Faith is the currency of heaven. So what God is looking for, he don't care about your money. Uh, Who's the wealthiest person on the planet now? Elon Musk or somebody, one of them, Gates, Buffett, Musk, one of them. Anyway, I always heard the Queen of England was the richest person, but okay, go ahead. All of uh, the money that they have, that's just pocket change to God. He just reached in his pocket and allowed them to have a couple cents. But instead of praising him for it, and then as Patsy pointed out, instead of using it on themselves, if those people use it to spread uh, joy, happiness, love, kindness, generosity to others, then it turns out to be a real blessing. But if they instead keep it all to themselves, see how many big toys they can buy, how fancy they can live, then it becomes a curse. And it's deceitful mm. because you think you're blessed when in actuality you might be cursed. Mm. You know, I was reading in Patriarchs and Prophets and it was talking about the time right before the flood. And it was talking about how at that time, a lot of the gold and precious metals and precious gems were just laying right on top of the surface of the earth. And all men had to do was just go gather it up. But because of that, men's hearts became deceitful and wicked because they they could just possess, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and their, their hearts were lifted up with pride. And so as a result of the, uh, when God sent the flood, he buried that stuff under the earth. So now, you know, you have to go mining for it or whatever the case may be in order to get it. So uh, that that's very interesting what both of you all just said. Um, now, uh, in, in that near the, that last next to last, or uh, well, near the end of that paragraph, he talks about how the inhabitants of the earth are grasshoppers to God. Where have we heard that we look like grasshoppers before? Anybody can remember that? Anybody remember where you heard that before in the Bible? Yeah, that was where the the Israelite spies went over to Canaan. And then 10 of the spies, there was 12 spies, 10 of them came back and they were all afraid and said, hey, we look like grasshoppers to those people. That's Compared right. to them, we're just little bitty grasshoppers with nothing. That's right. And they, on, on the one hand, they were presuming something, but God had already told them to go and take the land. But in this particular case, it's saying that we are, the inhabitants of the earth are as grasshoppers to God. So, um, and that he doesn't, he doesn't respect, he's no respecter of persons, not, not at least in terms of how wealthy you are, how poor you are. Like you said, Lee, none of that matters. That faith is the currency of heaven. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Any other comments there? All right. I want to go down to the next paragraph where it starts with an act of wrong or oppression. And um, she's saying an act of wrong or oppression, a deviation from the right way should no sooner be tolerated in a man who possesses property than a man who has none. All the riches that the most wealthy ever possessed are not of sufficient value to cover the smallest sin before God. They will not be accepted as a ransom for transgression. Repentance, true humility, a broken heart, and a contrite spirit alone will be accepted of God. And no man can have true humility before God unless the same is exemplified before others. In other words, you got to be the same person uh, before God and before others. So you can't, you can't think that, okay, well, I'll just, I'll be, I'll profess to be one way before God, to God, but then I'm treating people wrong on the other hand. Um, and it says, she says, um, 
Nothing less than repentance, confession, and forsaking of sin is acceptable to God. And so that goes along with that whole faith thing, um, Lee, faith being the, the, the currency of heaven, is that it's by faith that we believe all of these things that we, that, that, you know, repentance, um, you know, true humility, a broken heart, a contrite spirit will be accepted of God. We, we take those things by faith and that if we bring those things to God, he will forgive us of our sins and he will forgive our transgressions, but it's not, it's not our, our, our wealth or our material wealth that does anything or even what we do with our material wealth because some people sometimes think well you know what i'll give to some charitable causes and you know that'll take care of you know <laughs> whatever debt i may owe you know moral debt i may owe or whatever on the other hand there are other people that they don't care what what moral debt they owe they just take and take and take and oppress people and do wrong to get their wealth so you have both and two you sides know, you, you know you and you know, I think in terms of, of too, the world, how it does for our young people, it makes them feel like if you don't have this type of shoes, you know, and I'm just thinking in terms of when, when Michael Jordan came out with those shoes, there were parents that was killing themselves working three or four jobs. And kids were saying, I don't want to go to school because my friends are going to tease me because we can't afford this. We can't afford that. And. But, you know, and it made our young people feel like I've got to go out and get it because I don't want to be, and, and I want to say peer pressure, but they didn't want to feel outcast because they couldn't afford those things. And, it, and it, I'm going to be honest, it led to a lot of crime, too. And I said, and, and, and what we didn't realize, I think, in that that generation was they wanted to fit in so bad that being different and being made fun of they would rather go to prison. They would rather steal it or, you know, so they could possess it to be equal, be treated equally like everyone, you know, everyone else their age. And I've seen it in the education system that, you know, you do have people to, teach, to treat the kids that seem to dress better, you know, or be able to, mm -hmm. you know, to get their hair done every week. They did treat them differently. Mm. I was going to say yeah. that to me, that's one of the biggest issues of the ages is that people have turned their attention to themselves instead of other people helping others. Now it's all about me, myself, and I, so that your kid don't even want to go to school, doesn't want to get an education, doesn't want to uh, gain knowledge and intellect simply because they don't look cute enough or they don't look good enough or their shoes are not nice enough. When Thousands of our ancestors went to school barefoot because they recognized Amen. education is the way to get out of poverty. But, you know, everybody's now taking selfies and it's so silly that here's a person, they already standing in front of a mirror looking at themselves and then they take a selfie so everybody else can see them looking at themselves. It's just so... <laughs> ridiculous That's that everybody's funny. just focused on themselves that is funny. it's sad uh -huh. i yeah, was gonna say too uh uh karen on the where you're talking about the riches what it was saying is right is right and wrong is wrong and however much money you have or don't have doesn't make a difference if you mm -hmm. still just say everything else being equal if you steal something as a poor person you're just as guilty as a rich person doing the same thing However, in the world that we live in, the justice system favors those with money. So right. that if you are wealthy, yeah, you can get away with stuff that a poor person can't get away from for various reasons. In fact, wealth is so highly esteemed in the system and in a society that um, Paula's favorite person, 45, once said he could <laughs> walk down the street, kill somebody, and nothing would happen because his wealth and fame would save him. Yeah, it's all mixed up, and that's that's sad. But um, hmm, they haven't touched him yet <laughs> for the things he's done. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go down to the next paragraph where she's talking about rich people and how many of them have gotten their wealth um, by it, advantaging themselves, as she puts it, and disadvantaging their poor fellow men. 
And so she said that these wealthy men glory in their shrewdness and keenness um, when they're to cut a bargain, basically. But she says the curse of God will rest upon every dollar thus obtained and upon the increase of it in their hands. And she says, as these things were shown me, I could see the force of our Savior's words. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. What do you think she means by the curse of God will rest upon every dollar thus obtained and upon the increase of it in their hands? What do you think she means by that? I think it's because the the curse of God is upon them and their money because of the way they they got it. Did they step on someone like, if you think back in the slavery days, you know, they beat those slaves and those slaves fed them. They had to do all the duties that, you know, the, their masters had was, was, was gaining all the money, but they were doing all the work. And, and I think, you know, in terms of a curse, if you're, you know, getting your wealth through oppressing the poor and to still, you know, and I hate to say this, there are people that invest in the stock markets and you notice when the stock markets fail, those people lose everything. But the wealthy are still, you know, they still have their money, but they don't think the poor little person that invested in, you know, whatever they invested in, their money's gone. And sometimes it's their life savings. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and um you know, I don't know specifically what type of curse would rest upon them, but we know that you know, um it could be anything. It could be their health. The Lord may touch their health. He may touch their finances or keep causing things to have to be replaced or repaired or done over again. The Lord has many ways of 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 dealing with um, people who are dealing in an oppressive manner with other people to gain wealth and to gain riches. Um, yeah, and it will it will come back to bite them. You know, in the end, money's going to be thrown in the streets and nobody's right. going to pick it up and it'll mm-hmm. be just totally worthless. And if you uh, think about it, what Patsy was talking about with the slaves, the slaves did all this stuff for these their masters, their supposed owners, and Lakita's not here to say this, but I'll say it for her. If the slave owners had just treated the slaves kindly, they would have probably still been, we'd probably still be in slavery. If they had just treated them kindly, gave them some food, shelter, and gave them a little money, it'd be more like a job. But instead, like Patsy's saying, they were brutal with people, just just inhuman, inhumane to folks. Mm -hmm. And so the whole system collapse. But also when you think about people who will do anything for money, and I know I've mentioned this uh, show that's on, uh, it's called Dirty Money. Mm-hmm. And they're little, um, when they come on, they have a song that says, lie, cheat, steal, kill, win. Everybody's doing it. And then mm-hmm. these people are just doing all, all kind of evil, dastardly ways to get money at the expense of whatever else may come their way. And Sister White was saying that many reasons people don't have that kind of wealth is because they would not do what it takes to get it. And thank God for that, because if you're the type of person who does what a lot of these people do to get wealth, lie, cheat, steal, kill, and win at all costs, your ultimate end is going to be worse than you ever imagined. And you'll wish you never had that money. Now, Patsy did point out that God gives us power to get wealth. So there are some honest people mm-hmm. who have money and nothing wrong with that. And more than likely, those honest people are given uh, generous amounts to help those in need. But the people who are evil minded and are consumed by the love of money, they'll go at it at the expense of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Hmm. Now, you know, something that I think seems to be quite a bit on the rise as scammers and scam artists. And uh, I see more and more where there's warnings from various uh, places dealing with scammers and, you know, don't do this. If you, if someone calls you and don't click on that, if it's an email and you know what I'm saying? And yes, um, AARP, they are really, you know, constantly reminding us that are, you know, that it's part of AARP 
I mean, there's so many scams, and I was like, man, I didn't even think about, you know, some of the stuff that they're reminding us, you know, of do's and don'ts and what people are doing, even tapping into, I guess, you know, people trying to get into their bank accounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then we, we right now, we have a threat. Well, I don't know how much of a threat it is or whether it's just a warning bell going off right now about Russia and cyber attacks from Russia, you know, on banks and bank accounts and things like that. Um, but that's a whole different level of, <laughs> of, uh, 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 of um, what I want to say, uh, um, national. Evil. Yeah, well, national, it's not individual. It's a level of, of, of national evil. Um, let's see. You I know what you were... Karen, what you were just pointing out about the scammers, it's not unbelievable to think that people can be scammed because, you know, there's a lot of people who want to trust in humanity. The Bible tells us the arm of flesh is going to fail us or we should only trust God. Everybody else verify. But mm -hmm. what happens is scammers get close to you. You like to talk. They, they somehow kind of tap into what interests you. They keep you on the hook and they keep talking to you before you know it, you're giving away their money and you think you're helping somebody legitimate. And it shouldn't be such a surprise because the scriptures tell us that uh, there will be so many strong delusions that if it was possible, even the very elect would be fooled. So we always have to stay on, on our P's and Q's and be careful in trusting other people, especially people that you don't know or people that you did not call them for anything. Somehow they got your number and called you. You got to be really careful nowadays. Everybody's not honest. Right, right. And we're seeing, and I don't know whether it was, it's because of the pandemic or what, but there just seems to be a rise of just people trying to get your money. Uh, I was watching one thing where this lady was suffering from cancer and somebody sent her a text message and it was, you know, the wrong number, but some kind of way they kept her talking in the text message and they became friends. And then they told her about this online, um, online business or something where she could put her money into it and it would grow her money for her. And they sent her the website and everything, the link to join up and everything. And it ended up being a scam. And the only way she found out is when she tried to go in and try to withdraw some of the so-called increase and she couldn't take out the money and found out that, you know, that money was just gone. And they asked her, well, how much did you put in? How much did you put in there? And she said over a million dollars. And so, you know, the scam artists are getting more and more sophisticated in how they do things. And, and one of the things with her was the guy told her, once you set up the account, you can see, and, you know, and, and of course she linked the account to her bank account. And that's what, you know, they basically, and he told her, well, you can see, you can see the money growing. So she saw the money growing. Um, so you know, she trusted that, but mm. it was a scam. Trusting and, you God. Know, I know Sister Paula works for the pharmaceutical, uh, one time she worked for different pharmaceutical companies, and even some of those pharmaceutical companies are not legit. I mean, you know, they raise the prices on drugs that they get from other countries that are very cheap, and here they charging us American people, uh, you know, Thousands and thousands of dollars for prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, any other comments? No, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how scammers, sometimes they tap into a person who's generous and wants to help somebody in need. Other times they tap into people who are greedy. And that mm -hmm. greedy person sees more money on the table and they do whatever it takes to get it. Uh, one of my friends, he got trick with the old pigeon drop <laughs> which was you know that's something they used to do back in the day and a person would come to you and 
uh, talk to you and find out that you got some money. They didn't care how much $20, $40. Back then, it was a lot more than it is. But they'd ask, you got four, just say $50. And they say, hey, I tell you what, I had this guy, he gave me uh, $50 and we turned it into this amount of money. And they pull a bag of money out of their pocket and they show you the money and they say, yeah, you can do the same thing. If you put your $50 in this bag and then you take it over to this guy's house, then he's going to give you half of this bag of money. And you know, your greed kicks in. You say, man, that's a lot of money in that bag. Half of it will be mine. So you put your 50 in there. The person wrote, uh, rolls the bag up and says, okay, now take it over to this address, but don't look in it. If you look in it, it's going to mess everything up. Don't look. Well, you go running off thinking you're going to make some money. Find out you had a vacant lot address. There's nobody there. Uh-huh. And you look in the bag. You look in the bag it's and no it's money. just paper. Because mm-hmm. they switched the bag while you wasn't paying attention. But your greed oh, was what man. got you in trouble. You shouldn't have been so greedy. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... You know, it, 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 it's funny because if people who were like that were as faithful in a business, they could make some money, but they, they, they apply it the wrong way. They apply their skills the wrong way. For the some wrong people way. don't want an honest day's work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Down in the next chapter, uh, I mean, paragraph paragraph 537.2 uh she says that she was shown that many who profess to be sabbath keepers so love the world and the things that are in the world that they have been corrupted by its spirit and influence the divine has disappeared from their characters and the satanic has crept in transforming them to serve the purposes of satan and to be instruments of unrighteousness then she was shown uh, industrious, honest, poor men who stand ready to help those who need help and who would rather suffer themselves to be disadvantaged by their wealthy brethren than to manifest so close and acquisitive a spirit as the, they manifest. And men who esteem a clear conscience and right even in little things of greater value than riches. Um, and um, I think a reference was made at some point in here to Moses, who, uh, rather than um, rather than access the riches of Egypt, because he was in line to be the next Pharaoh, what did he choose to do? To suffer, suffer with, with his, his people. people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, she's speaking of some some poor men who are honest and industrious who would rather. Uh, help someone, whatever it called forth from them to be able to do. Um, let's move on down. You were mentioning, Karen, about um, why those criminal-minded people wouldn't use their talents for good. Then you read why, because uh, their character has disappeared. The divine has disappeared from the character, and now they're transformed to serve the purpose of Satan. So there's mm-hmm. some people... They aren't very intelligent, but they just using it for the wrong purpose. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see, down in the next paragraph, 538.1, um, she says, how does God regard these poor wise men? She says, they are regarded as precious in his sight. And although not increasing their treasure upon earth, they are laying up for themselves an incorruptible treasure in the heavens. And in doing this, they manifest a wisdom as far superior to that of the wise, calculating, acquisitive, professed Christian as the divine and godlike is superior to the earthly, carnal, and satanic. She says, it is moral worth that God values, a Christian character unblotted with avarice, possessing quietness, meekness, and humility, is more precious in his sight than the most fine gold, even the golden wedge of our fear. So, um, you know, Sister Karen, I used to laugh when I used to hear my mama, you, you know, we had people back home that would die and they want to be buried with the, you know, with chains, gold chains and big rings and stuff. And my mother used to say, I don't care how much wealth you think you have. You came in this world with nothing and you're going out with nothing. 
And, you know, and it just, it, you know, as kids, you just kind of laugh. You think it's funny. But as you get to know Christ, you understand you are not going to leave this earth with anything but your character. You're not mm-hmm. taking all these cars and houses. And how you, I, I, I refer back to the rich and famous because one time I looked at this place where it was the rich and famous. They were showing the households and stuff. And I thought, my goodness, you know, you spend, and I, I guess to me it's, it's crazy money for on that kind of stuff that they, like I said, they had that toilet. And I just thought, look at all the people you could have helped. And you're not going to take that $2 million toilet with you anyway. <laughs> this is true. And I remember back in the days, I think it was like in the 60s, something like that. And this uh, rich guy, he loved his Cadillac El Dorado so much, they actually buried the Cadillac and him together. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really crazy, isn't it? Because... What's the only thing that we will be taking from this earth to heaven? Our character. Absolutely. So all this other stuff is going to burn up, you know? And I and I highly doubt that if he was one, among the saved, that he would say, well, dig my, dig my, let me dig up my, my Cadillac and take it with me, you know? <laughs> mm. You know, it's interesting it. that people fight and fuss and fight and kill over paper is really just paper. It's no longer backed by uh, gold or anything. So it's just a, what you place the value on it. And we're mm-hmm. watching a documentary about um, Tanzania and Tanzania at one point they had, they had a good monetary system, but it had gotten hit so much by inflation that they ended up printing a $10 trillion bill for people to pay for stuff which just shows you as just worthless at this point. So mm-hmm. all the money that these other people had, it was useless because it didn't buy anything anymore. So again, mm-hmm. at the at the end of time, people are just going to be throwing gold and money and diamonds in the street because it'll be worthless. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I'm corrected, I know it mentions in the Bible that where your heart is is where, where your treasure is, or am I saying it backwards, where your treasure is, where your heart is going to be. And you think about them people that think they're going to take all this stuff with them when they die. And what happens is family members fight over that stuff and they don't get, they're not taking anything when they, when they die. Right. You know, I think about the pyramids in Egypt and how they put all this stuff into those pyramids with whoever owned the owner of the pyramid that had died. And thinking that, you know, they're going to use this stuff in some afterlife. You know, but none of that stuff, all that stuff was either, you know, went to whatever country the pyramid was in or worse, uh, was raided by Tomb Raiders. So, see, and that brings up another good point about people's love of money. Those people raiding tombs and taking those artifacts, they're nothing more than grave robbers. Right. Right. They just went there and robbed somebody's property. And just like we could go up to Calvary Cemetery up here and dig up somebody's grave and see what they got. You know, that's mm-hmm. all they're doing. They call it archaeology, but come on, this is just grave robbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and let's skip on down. She starts talking about wealthy men being tested and proved by God. And she says that they stand the test and overcome the blemishes upon their character. And as faithful stewards render to God the things that are his, then it will be said to them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then she talks about the parable of the unjust steward and um, how that particular person um, was not faithful in much and says, therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches. And so it goes back to, if you're faithful in little, you will be trusted and faithful with much. But if you're not faithful in little, then why would God give you much? And that's a, that's a principle of money too. Money just brings out what was already there. People mm-hmm. say, oh, money changed him. 
Nah, he was a crook even when he had twenty dollars. <laughs> you know, or he was an yeah. honest person. Or he was an honest person with twenty dollars. It doesn't yeah. make you a different person. It gives you yeah. more options to be the person you are. So you now have a million more options to be an honest, generous person, or you have a million more options to be selfish and greedy. Uh, that reminds me of Jeff Bezos' wife that he divorced and she got, mm -hmm. I don't know, some billions of dollars and she gave a lot of it away because she was like, this is more money than I can do anything with um, in my lifetime, you know? And mm -hmm. so she, you know, gave most a lot well I don't know I don't I don't remember how much she got but she gave a big chunk of it away I think she had 270 something billion yeah that's that's just ridiculous riches isn't it but some people would try and hold it to the very last day on on earth as opposed to helping people who really could be blessed by it right now mm -hmm. which a lot of the wealthy uh, Buffett and Gates are saying they're not going to leave their money to their kids, you know, when they pass away. Well, their kids already got money, I'm sure, by now, but they're going to donate it to different charities and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then she goes down in chapter, uh, paragraph 539.1. She talks about how if men fail to render to God, what he has lent them, they rob him and use it for his glory. They rob him. And she says that he has lent them means which they can improve upon by losing no opportunity to, to do good and therefore lay up treasure in heaven, constantly lay up treasure in heaven by doing good with whatever God has, has placed in our means. And she said that she talks about the, the, the parable of the talents and how, how some gained but the one went and hid it in the earth because he didn't want to lose. Uh, he, he feared that God would get that which their talent gains. And so they would not only lose the increase, but, but would be, um, but also the principle which God gave them to work upon. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, so, so basically that, that unfaithful steward, when he said, you know, you've, I know you were hard taskmaster and I, I know that you, you know, you, you, I know how you are basically. And so I went and hid it because, you know, I, 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 I didn't want to lose it, but really she's saying right here that they didn't want to give God the, the gain off of it, which is something totally different, you know? Um, and they didn't want to have to turn over the gain to God. So that that's really selfish. That's that that's that's really selfish. Also, oh. Karen, you had read uh, where it says because they have robbed God, they have not laid up treasure in heaven. They mm -hmm. lose their earthly treasure also. And we have to remember too, Malachi three says, "You have robbed me in tithe and offering." Mm -hmm. So when we're not faithful in tithe and offering, no matter how much we have, you can still be faithful and honest with whatever you have. If we're not right. doing that, we're in danger of losing not only earthly treasure, but heavenly treasure as well. Right, right. And that's what she says in this last sentence in that paragraph. She says they have no habitation on earth and no friend in heaven to receive them into the, the everlasting habitation of the righteous. So, yeah, they, there's nowhere they can go or nowhere that, you know, they will have those things that they did, thought they would have or desired to have. Um, so no, um, and then, you know, uh, we're familiar with this next scripture in the next paragraph where she says, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and, uh, despise the other and can't, you can't serve God and riches, you know, um, and, uh, that reminds me of the story of the rich young ruler. Anybody remember that story? Yeah, he kind of asked God what it was going to take for him to be saved. But when mm -hmm. he got God's answer, it wasn't what he wanted because he wasn't right. going to give up all his stuff. Right. He didn't want to give up his riches and he went away sorrowful. Now, is it, does it mean that rich people can't be saved? You know, no, I, I think they can be saved. 
I don't think that's it, but we started off with the with the scripture. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. So it's not impossible, but it's harder. It's very hard. Well, that's so, what we had read up, up above in 538.2. Wealthy men are to be tested. And if they stand the test and overcome the blemishes on their character, and as faithful stewards of God render the things that are his, then, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll be considered well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the same as all of us. If we can withstand the tests that come upon our lives, whatever they are, and overcome the blemishes of our character, then we'll mm-hmm. be uh, well, we'll hear well done, good and faithful mm-hmm. servant also. So and God you know, gives people power to get wealth. And there's right. nothing wrong with being wealthy, but it's always going back to the character that you have. Mm-hmm. That's what counts. Mm-hmm. But for example, I know I'm a, a little late, y'all. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. You're Why welcome. Why would it be hard? You are always huh? welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Why would it be hard? For for example, I, I, I guess I always thought about that, and I can think of how some rich people are selfish. But besides being selfish, how why would it be hard for a rich person to get in the head? You know, I think that. And, that, and that's the title of this chapter, The Deceitfulness of Riches, because I think a lot of times what she's alluding to is that pe- people think, think that their standing for God increases as their wealth increases. And so they don't take a good hard look at and overcome the defects in their character because they're thinking that their riches will get them in heaven or their riches will get them favor with, with God. And so they don't do that hard work of striving to overcome their besetments and, 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 and striving to have the character of Christ, you know? Um, and then when you think about it, Christ didn't have nowhere to lay his head, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and, and when he told the rich young ruler, you know, give, sell all that you have and come and follow me. The rich young ruler was like, okay, uh, no. And he, 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 he left because he preferred, he wanted to keep his riches, you know? If we look at, right, um, right, right. and if we look at when they talk about the Laodicean church, it says, I am rich and increased with good and have need for nothing. Because another thing too, when you have money, you tend to put your trust in the money and not in God. You tend to think that the money will resolve your issues and your problems and not God, you find it more difficult to lean on, on God and stuff. So that's a, it's still a kind of a form of selfishness, but it's not like the same form where me, 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 I'm just thinking about me. It's another form. And this is really, she says the deceitfulness of riches. This is, it really is a very deceptive thing about money. And we can easily focus our attention on the money as being the thing that's going to resolve our problems and and that's and not God. So we you know right. like even though the Bible says God gives you the power to get wealth, we somehow think the wealth is giving us the power to live or whatever. So I think that's another issue about why uh, a rich man is going to be more difficult for him to make it into heaven uh, because you put and I your, think your be, I think before you got on, I made a comment that they feel like they got the wealth they self and they didn't, you know, they didn't need no help from anybody else. They mm-hmm. got it on their own. With, with, and they didn't acknowledge that God granted them the ability to be able to get it, to be used to, up, you know, to, to further his cause. Yep. And then there's that what, what she said, like the verse, um, if you look at that Laodicean verse, I'm rich and increased with good and have need for nothing. You know, that's really mm-hmm. significant. That's the... A while back, and it's called, they call it the prosperity theory, I think, that if you, if God loved you or had favor on you, then you would have money and stuff, you know, so that's not really, and that's not true. So then people start trying to get money to prove that God loves them, and God loves us no matter where we are, what we do. Also, I think you, I think we talked about a little right at the first of the class, and it was pointed out that it's not the money but it's the love of money. When you love right. money more than God, your motives are already tainted and your character is going to be tainted, which is one reason. But also you had mentioned the verse about 
uh, is harder than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And in the biblical times, the eye of the needle was a gate that people could walk through. And it was a very small, straight gate, a narrow gate, just like the road to heaven is narrow to get in. So in order for a camel to actually get through that gate, first of all, the camel has to bow down. So when you think about that as a person, first of all, we have to bow down and accept God as our Lord and Savior. Then we also, the camel then has to take the burden off of his back. So again, as humans, we have to lay down our burdens and put them at the feet of the cross. And many people are not willing to bow down to God. Many people are not willing to take that load off, whatever it may be, uh, riches or some other character flaw. So that's why it's hard for them to get in. Not because of money, because there's a plenty of people in the Bible that were wealthy and they love the Lord sincerely. Yeah. So it's not the money, it's the love of money and the character that goes with that love of money. And, and, and that's one thing I like. I don't I like it though. I'm, I'm, but all the rappers, people in the urban culture, money is the root of all evil. They don't realize that it says the love of money. And so they got that verse all messed up. They just thinking money is all full of evil and it ain't, you know, and, you know, but it came to my mind. But go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> have, you, have you heard the story, uh, mm -hmm. Thomas, about the man who he was making, I'm just going to say $10 a week. And he uh, gave us a $1, $1 and 50 cents or however much he was given to the church and faithfully mm -hmm. gave it. And the Lord mm. increased him until, and he just asked the Lord to, to, he asked the Lord to make him rich. So the Lord made him rich. And now he's bringing in, well, I'm just going to say a million dollars a month. Okay. And it became really hard for him to return a faithful tithe and offering off of a million dollars a month. Mm. And mm. so, because yeah. that's a lot of money, right? Mm. And so, he said, he said, Lord, he said, please, he said, I'm having, I'm struggling here to, to return a faithful tithe and offering now. He says, so help me to be able to return a faithful tithe and offering. So the Lord took his riches away and he went back down $10 a month or $10 wow. a week or whatever. <laughs> Good, Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. <laughs> And so, Until we get him. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> and so, you know, you have to think about it and you have to think about if you had some huge sum of money, are you going to yeah. still be faithful in returning your tithe and offering? You know, I remember reading this story about a couple that sold their business. And when they sold their business, it made so much money. And they gave a faithful tithe and offering to the church. It was so much money, the church didn't know what to do with it. And so they got in touch with the conference. The conference didn't know what to do with it. So they decided to implement some programs and things that they would funnel the money into. Um, but they had yeah. never seen that kind of money coming from a single donor. You know, I mean, it was like millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they just didn't know what to do with it. Wow. But that was an example of, a, 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 you know, mm. a family that chose to be faithful. And when they sold their business, they chose to, you know, yeah. give that tenth plus whatever their offering was to the church. You know, when you think about uh, mm. tithe and offering, too many times we look at the amount of money instead of the percentage if you stick with thinking about the percentage, it's the same regardless of the amount of money. So if, if my commitment, and again, as I had mentioned earlier uh, during service, to be a faithful steward, it takes uh, commitment, it takes consistency, and it takes continuous effort. So if you're continuously putting in, just I'll just say 15%, and all you make is $10, it's still 15%. So now I'm making 10 million, it's still 15%. The amount mm -hmm. has gone up, but as far as I'm concerned, it's still a percentage. And if you yeah. think of it that way, it kind of keeps the greed factor from creeping in so quickly. You know, if you just say, I've not increased my percentage 
It's the same percent God blessed me with when I wasn't making so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely one way to look at it. Probably the best way to look at it. Um, and then yeah. after that, in the same paragraph, she talks about how um, she says um, in the middle where she says, well, God knows your hearts and for that which is highly esteemed among men, which is riches acquired by oppression, by deception, by overreaching, by fraud, or any other dishonest manner is abomination in the sight of God. And then Christ presents two characters, the rich man who was clothed with purple and fine linen, who fared sumptuously every day, and Lazarus, who was in abject poverty and loathsome to the sight, and who begged the few crumbs which the rich man despised. And the Lord showed his estimate of the two, and although Lazarus was in so deplorable and a condition, he had true faith, which is what you talked about, Lee, the, the currency of heaven, and true moral worth, which God saw and which he considered of so great value that he took this poor, despised sufferer and placed him in the most exalted position, while the honored and ease-loving man of wealth was thrust out from the presence of God and plunged into misery and woe. And so God didn't value the riches of this wealthy man because he had no true moral worth, you know, and, 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 and riches again, as we go back to the, to the top of the chapter, riches don't mean anything to God because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. So that doesn't mean, and, and, and that's in our finite thinking, that's, you know, he owns everything on this earth, but he owns all the worlds and all the universes and everything on all of them. So it doesn't mean anything to him that, you know, I might be, I might be, um, you know, wor- you know, worth a hundred billion dollars or whatever. That doesn't mean anything to him. It is our character that means uh, something to him. Um, I'm going to stop there for today. In uh, next class session, we will take up at paragraph five forty point one. And I'm going to ask my questions that I've been asking um, of the class here lately. So let me pull up my questions. Okay. And I'm gonna ask, uh, I've been asking these lately and so I've been asking different people. So we're going to cover the point, the principle, the prayer, and the application. And so um, I'm just going to take some volunteers on this today. And then if I don't get any volunteers, I'm just going to ask somebody. <laughs> so anybody want to address the point of this chapter? Well, I wasn't here from the beginning, but what I heard, the point of this chapter is, and what I read last week, is to warn us and to become more aware of the effects of um, riches on our lives, on us. And sometimes we're not aware of it until we're actually put in a position to have it or to not have it. And then we see where we are with Christ. Okay. Okay. Uh, anybody have anything they want to add to that? I was just going to say, like our title says, don't be fooled by thinking that wealth and material goods means everything in life. Because this is very insignificant uh, when you look in terms of eternity. Mm, mm. And, and it goes back to we're not taking any of that with us. And I uh, think, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And I think that when we say riches, we think of like first thing that jumped in my head for some reason was Beyonce and Jay-Z for some, you know, people with just a lot of power, you know, he's a billionaire now. And uh, it's just like, how did that happen? You know, and, but riches, and then how do you reach people like that? But you could just be comfortable, uh, you know, or middle management and just make a decent living and have a house and a car and let that go to your head. And, um, Mm -hmm not realize where your blessings are coming from. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes uh, I want to say this, we, some, uh, this thing that she said, so deceptive, so deceitful, it's like a, it's, it's almost a, it's an underlying type of thing. 
something like she said, let it go to your head. And sometimes it's just getting so comfortable that we're not listening to God. We're just comfortable, you know, and stuff. We're not prideful. So that it, it does a bell that is, is not going on out going on off in our heads that you're being prideful. So that's not happening. But we're not striving to have the Holy Spirit, not listening for God, you know, and stuff. And we're just, you know, we're just coasting along, you know, and that's that's a deceptive thing that we're okay because we're not suffering in any way. So we're okay. Or, you know, you almost might even think of, of, okay, well, I'm getting wealthy. So that means God is blessing me. So that means God must be happy with me. Right. That's that prosperity Mm. theory Lakita was mentioning. (laughs) That unless if you don't have money and property and material goods, then you're not really a Christian and God Mm -hmm. doesn't like you. Okay. What is the principle that we can take from this chapter? Well, the principle, I uh, think, go ahead. I think the principle reminds, I think the principle reminds us that it's not money that's evil. It's the love of money. And, and what we do with it, if we're not serving God and helping others, and the you know with with it, then we're serving the devil. We're serving evil, and we're serving ourselves, self-centered. And also, that God doesn't care how much money we have; it's insignificant mm. to Him. Hmm. Okay. Um, and character, character is what God is looking for. I think that's the ultimate. Is that it's our character that he's I mean he doesn't care about really you know he doesn't care about all this stuff like you said he owns cattle on a thousand hill he owns the universe all the worlds this little stuff that we like fighting over and fussing and it worries us all of us you know that's God can just you know do what he wants to do with us for that you know yes absolutely Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and then uh, what is the application? How do we apply this to our lives? How do we apply this chapter that, that basically a good character is the, is, and I'm going to add to your faith thing, Lee, a good character is the currency of heaven rather than um, money. How do we apply it? I that think to- we I think we have to realize that we have to seek the kingdom of God first and everything else is going to fall in place. Amen. And how do we, how do we seek the kingdom of God first? I'm going to, I'm going to ask you that. You want me to answer it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We seek the kingdom of God first by putting God, the things of heaven first in our lives. We learn to pray for others. We learn to, to ask for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in all truth. And we learn to put away, and it's hard because we've got to die to self daily. We learned, we asked the Holy Spirit to get that, that, that selfishness and that me, 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 that society tells us it's all about you. God didn't say it's all about you. God said to love one another as he has loved us. Okay. Okay. Anybody want to add anything to that? No, that's pretty much that's uh, that's that's pretty much what I was thinking too. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to ask you, Lee. What is the prayer that we should pray? And then I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer for us to close us out. (laughs) (laughs) See. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and pray it then. Okay. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for a wonderful time studying today with our fellow brethren. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence being here to lead and guide us into our truth. Lord, as the chapter is titled, Deceitfulness of Riches, we pray that we will not be fooled by money. We pray that we will not be fooled by material goods. Lord, even though these things are helpful and useful in the right way, we ask that we will not be overcome by them. We ask that first we would keep you first and foremost in our minds in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. And Lord, you have promised that all these things will be added unto us, mainly as you see fit. We ask and pray that you'll take control of our lives, Lord, take control of our 
desires, Lord. Give us the desires of our heart to follow you and not to be so concerned about worldly goods, Lord. You have promised to take good care of us. Our lives are in your hands. And we ask and pray, dear Lord, that we will remember to be kind, loving, generous, to show forth those attributes that only the spirit of God in us can bring forth. We ask that you'll bless each person here today, all the families around the globe that are participating also. Help us all to exemplify Christ in everything that we do in his precious name. Amen. 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 Excellent prayer. Uh, where are we next week, Lee? Next week, we're in the book Christian Services by Ellen White. And we're on, it's actually chapter one, but the sub chapter is Combined Christian Forces. Combined Christian Forces. And the paragraph begins, Brethren and Sisters in the Faith. Combined okay. Christian Forces, Brethren and Sisters in the Faith. Last time we we uh, read about the call to the individual, and now it's talking about combined Christian forces. Okay. Remember to invite someone else to join us. Okay. All right. Um, with that, we will see you all next week where we're studying from the uh, book that he just um, gave us and the uh, section, subsection that uh, Elder Lee Carroll just gave us. <laughs> We'll see you guys next week.